A lot of athletes, especially younger athletes, they're all just additive. If I add this, then this will go, this will happen. If I add volume, then this will happen. If I add intensity and it's all additive, no one ever sits and thinks about anything that's subtractive like recovery. Welcome back to the Clinical Athlete Podcast. If you're not familiar with Clinical Athlete, we're a network of healthcare providers, students and coaches who specialize in the management of athletes. We have two missions. The first mission is to connect athletes with professionals who they can trust, and we fulfill that mission through the Clinical Athlete Directory. You can find your nearest Clinical Athlete provider or certified Clinical Athlete Barbell Coach at clinicalathlete.com. Our second mission is to create a community and foster the education of those professionals and future professionals in the realm of athlete health and performance. This podcast is one way that we fulfill that mission, and another way is the Clinical Athlete Forum. The forum is our education, mentorship, and networking community where we discuss and share ideas and resources related to athlete health and performance. To learn more about Clinical Athlete and everything that I just mentioned, head on over to the website, clinicalathlete.com. If you enjoy this podcast, do us a favor and give it a rating on your favorite podcast platform so that we can get this information out to as many people as possible. My name is Quinn Hennick. I'm a doctor of physical therapy in Orange County, California at Clinical Athlete Newport. On this show, we are joined by our usual co-hosts, Jared Maynard and John Flagg, as well as Taylor Allen Flanick, our Clinical Athlete intern. Jared is a physiotherapist and powerlifting coach in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, a clinical athlete provider and the clinical athlete continuing education director. John is a certified athletic trainer and powerlifting, weightlifting, and strongman coach in Maryland, as well as a clinical athlete provider and lead instructor of the clinical athlete powerlifting certification. We're bringing you another coach's corner. In this episode, I share a case with the team about a lifter I was working with who, let's say, likes to fly by the seat of his pants in terms of programming, and it was very hard to structure rehab or a plan for. The squad helps me hash this out. Hope you enjoy. Me? My turn? You. Your turn. I'm gonna so I got a couple weightlifters that are like they're in a the phase. One just had an ankle surgery, and one is very, very new. Like this is his second day working with me. And he's a pretty high level guy, but dealing with some stuff that makes training tough. They would be really good cases, but like really good cases in a couple weeks when I have more data and more to talk about. Um, so I'm actually just going to, it's going to be a good way to close it out, I think, because this is a conversation more about difficult athlete, like a difficult athlete as a person. Like, I love this kid. He's an awesome kid. He's not, a, he's not like a bad person, but his mindset is a little off when it comes to like the skill of training. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on working with these types of people. Cause it's more of a, it's almost like an ethical dilemma for me. So he came to me, he's in state, came to me for, with back pain. He's a power lifter. I'm not, he writes his own program. So we start right off the bat. Like, what do you want? Cause some people come to me and they want a full on program. Some people aren't injured and they just want programming. Some people are injured and they still want programming. Some people are injured and they have a coach or they write their own program. I say, cool, I'll give you my, I'll look over your program, add in what I think, modify things, you know, add my flavor, but to their wanting. 
in the beginning. I just kind of meet them where they are and give them what I think will, will help. So he's the one where he writes his own program. And it's, if we want to call it a program, he writes what he's going to do. And a lot of what he's going to do is just as much as he possibly can on that day. And um, he's a strong guy. I mean, so a, a squat workout, for example, will be like five by five with 440 followed by six by four with 460 followed by three by four with 460 like same weight like there's no so i'm serious so this is like a day of squatting so like here's a squat day and he just writes it himself and kind of goes by feel and so like i've a great kid by the way super sharp but i've asked it's been a month and we're, it's kind of time to like, he came in with, I'm sorry, he came in with back pain. And so what my role has been is it's nondescript, not general back pain, um, happens after like a crazy squat session like that. Hasn't, doesn't radiate, it's just like a general ache. Um, he actually hasn't deadlifted for like a long time, months, six months before he came to see me because he was scared because of his back. He didn't want to deadlift because he's still like, oh, deadlift's a back exercise. It's going to hurt me more. So he just didn't do it. So he actually reincorporated deadlifts working with um, a, a, a coach remotely on techniques. He's like, I just want to go light, you know, work on my technique. And I said, that's cool. So like over the course of the month, he's actually been able to deadlift and deadlift feels good. But like his deadlift workout, uh, 10, 10 by 5 with 240, uh, that was one day. So that was like a Tuesday. On Wednesday, 20 by five with 240. And then he's like, well, my hands hurt. And I said, <laughs> I said, well, yeah, you know, so, you know, like if your skin's not used to that, like that's a lot of reps, that's a lot of stress. He's like, yeah, but the weight's so light. I'm very, like, I'm really surprised that like that would even have any effect because the weight's so light. So it's that mindset, you know? My hands hurt and, right now from here. Yeah, exactly. So it's, but so the general question is like, I know we're all like, well, now you just have this conversation, like load doesn't, it's not all about load, volume matters too, but it's more about that's, that's who he is. And I've, I've asked him now, I've given him basically the, like an ultimatum question. If, we're going to work together again. By the way, his back is feeling better. I added in some like back stuff, like back, we're doing lots of back extensions. We're doing um, some unilateral, so split stance RDLs, because it was like unilateral symptoms. And we've just kind of like supplemented. So he does that and he does it consistently. So that's good. We've got let's like base level anchor, where at least he does the stuff that I give him, like the accessory stuff. But his program is so erratic that it's hard for me to get a beat on anything. It's like my back would hurt too if I did 27 sets of squats, you know, potentially two days in a row or like five days off and then bam, like a crazy squat workout. So my, it kind of threw down this ultimatum question where it's like, would you be okay? How would you feel about more structure for this next month if we work together again? And my question to you guys is he haven't got, he hasn't gotten back to me. If he says, actually, no, I want to work with you again, but I'm not willing to change the way that I program from my perspective, from an ethical standpoint, I'm thinking, okay, you want to still give me your money, but 
I don't feel that I'm able to give, to provide you any type of service really. And you know what I'm saying? Like I'm giving you like, I'm an accessory exercise coach with, with no real ability to make a dent in, in what's happening here because there's no structure. So my, my question to you guys is, have you ever had situations like with this kind of archetype person and, um, Hire him or fire him. Jared, you want to go first? (laughs) I'll defer to you. Okay. Uh, Yes. And early in my career, when I was still in the mode of like, I want to work with anybody that I can, uh, I had two in particular that um, very similar situations happened with, and they both ended poorly. And they both ended poorly because I started the field the same way you did. It's like, well... any it doesn't matter what I give you this is going to be a a difficult thing to manage because you're not really letting it be managed um and then what ended up happening it, it basically devolved into well the exercises you're giving me aren't working anymore and that's me going well you just did 30 sets of squats on day one and then you weren't sore enough so you came in and did another 20 the next day and now this is where we are like it doesn't matter what exercises i give you until you start to understand really what we're starting to talk about is like the fundamentals of training then it's just going to be very difficult now what i do um because i had the same ethical dilemma that you did is i basically say Look, for this to have the outcome that we want it to have, I'm going to have to have more control. If you're not willing to relinquish that control or, or give me the ability to do my job, then you're basically telling me that I can't do my job or not, not necessarily that I'm not good at it, but you're not allowing me to do what you're going to pay me to do. So I'm sorry, but you're going to have to look for somebody else because the outcome that you want that you're going to pay me for will not be attainable. And it's a sucky conversation to have, but it's absolutely necessary because that's, you just set the boundary and he can either respect that or not. And from that point forward, you just, you, you roll with it. But I think, I think having that conversation, um, it, it puts the ball back in your court, but also sets up a, an absolute boundary for him that if this happens again, if I go to Quinn, the expectation is going to be, I do your programming. I manage you as an athlete through this entire thing. That's what you pay me for. Otherwise, sorry. Yeah. I, I don't think I've, I've been in this particular situation. And I'm trying to rack my brain between the coaching or my coaching clients and those who have seen me in the clinic throughout the years. I think not to this extent, perhaps um, I've been in situations where I was working with somebody who was doing something or, or going about a particular thing in a way that I thought was problematic or just didn't help our cause and tried to have conversations with them and figure out how we can manage that more effectively. And they just weren't wanting to hear it. So even though it wasn't in the exact same circumstances or maybe to the same extent as your guy, maybe they just weren't doing the same things. Um, as in 20 sets of five, that's, that still hurts to think about. 
Oh gosh. Um, but it was only two forty five, Jared. So yeah, still, it's basically nothing. It's basically nothing. It's basically the bar. Pounds or kilos? <laughs> it was it was one ten, one ten kilos. <laughs> um, I think what's happened with a lot of the people that I've tried to have this conversation with is they've just left. I think most of it has happened in the clinic. They just haven't come back, um, which sucks for a couple of reasons. One, I would have liked to have seen that through to a better conclusion. And two, I would have liked the paycheck to have been better at the end of that too. But I think ultimately it's important that they have that freedom to make that decision. If they had insisted on continuing to see me and we were really at an impasse, I would have gotten to that same point that you've, uh, you both have talked about because I would have had the same issue. Um, yeah, but I think, like you said, John, setting that boundary is important um, and providing them the freedom to, to choose for themselves what they want to do. Uh, but understanding that continuing on with, with me means X, Y, and Z. Um, and it's not like it's going to be a my way or the highway sort of thing. They're still going to have input, but it just wouldn't be the same way that they've done it so far because it clearly hasn't been helpful. So, yeah, that's really helpful, guys. And so Jordan basically asked in the chat what, what exactly he came, what his expectations are and what, he's, what he came to see me for. So he came to see me for back pain because he was having back pain with lifting. It was, it was limiting his ability to have his crazy squat sessions. So his back would hurt after these squat sessions. And he was scared to deadlift because his back hurt after these squat sessions. So that's, you know, kind of describes the six months leading into when he finally just came to see me. So what he wants from me is to, he wants his back not to hurt after his squat workouts. And so I said, okay, when we talked about his programming in the beginning, he was pretty like, this is how I train. And these are my squat workouts. Um, say, okay, so I'm a minimum effective dose guy. I say, let's, let's, and let's not change everything all at once. And we don't know what works and what doesn't. But, you know, we had the conversation, just know, you know, workload matters, blah, blah, blah. We had those conversations. And so we started with just throwing in, at least will you promise me this? At least will you do these, this tier of exercises that have a specific focus of loading your back? Because you're currently not doing that without deadlifts. Yeah, squat load your back. But I like, I want you to, I want us to purposely have to create torque in your back. And that's enter back extensions, enter uh, single leg split stances, et cetera. So he at least did that. His back is feeling better, but it still hurts after these burner squat workouts. Like it's, and I can't control this erratic phenomenon. So to John's point, which I think he nailed when he said that very simply, like you're not allowing me to do my job. And that's how kind of how I feel. So hopefully that answers your question, Jordan. And we've come at this crossroads, um, What's the client's, David asked, what's, why doesn't he want to give up his programming? Just, you know, some people want the power. Uh, I, I, it's, it's, that's the question that'll be asked. And that's why I asked. I said, are you willing to give them? I didn't say, I, I, you know, threw it out gently. What's your thoughts on having more structure? And that's essentially what I'm getting at is either write a better program for yourself, allow me to take it over or... Um, you know, likely have a, a harder conversation. Well, and one thing that I've seen just just from coaching for so long, there is a a, a trend that it's starting to to 
really show its head with a, a lot of our sports. You know, you you could you could if you work in CrossFit, you're going to say CrossFit. If you work as a powerlifter, you're going to say in powerlifting. Um, but a lot of a lot of athletes, especially younger athletes, it, they're all just additive. I just need I if I add this, then this will go. This will happen. If I add volume, then this will happen. If I add intensity, and it's all additive. No one ever sits and thinks about anything that's subtractive, like recovery. They think, well, I'll just go to Quinn. I have my programming, right? I'm getting stronger with that. And then I'll go to Quinn, and he'll give me exercises that'll fix X. So I add this to the equation, and this other thing goes away. Unfortunately, that's not how algebra works. You have to actually take some things out. And you know, something as simple as what Quinn has already tried to do and having those, it doesn't seem like you're recovering well because of these things, but guess what? Some people just won't listen to that. They're just, they're so stuck in that additive realm that telling them, Hey, you probably need to take some of these things out. They just, they won't listen. And at that point it's like, okay, cool. I'm not going to add to this because we have issues with this additive nature and they'll go still, they can, they can go somewhere else sucks Mm -hmm. yeah there was another question that said do you think that this happened because he came to you as a clinician to manage back pain or did he come to you as a coach oh he came to me as a clinician so he came he came to the clinic or actually it was a telehealth visit but um yeah it was it was initially to manage the back pain and uh, we're just at a point now a month later where uh, I allowed it. I allowed some freedom. So my thought was that in uh, the first month isn't going to make or break something that's been going on for six months or more anyway. And I wanted to see if we'll let you do your thing because you're you're pretty hell bent on on that. And okay, um, but let's try this also. See what that does. And I think it made some type of dent. But now we're at the point where you guys have already said it, where I think if it's going to go beyond this, there's going to need to be a lot more change to be had. So it's just kind of like when we say there's levels to this, there's levels to the conversation and, and, you know, jumping in and trying to control everything in the beginning, he may have completely tuned me out, but like now it's time, it's time to have that stronger conversation built a little rapport. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I like, I like this kid. He's a good kid. He's funny. Um, and he says that he trusts me as well, but actions, you know, maybe speak louder than words. So I think, um, I think what you guys say kind of confirms where I was at with it. I think so. Well, and then, so one last point on this, I've mentioned it in the podcast before, but everybody has that one person on their schedule, especially if you work like in a brick and mortar clinic where you look at them look at the name and you go, ah, crap. (laughs) I mean, maybe because it's a a personality clash or something like that. But in this particular situation, all it's going to do is add emotional strain and psychological strain to Quinn's day. I don't need, he's got enough on his plate. I don't need him taking any, any more of that on as it is, but if you set yourself up in that position and you know, man, this is going to cost me a lot of social capital, a lot of psychological capital that I might not have room for. Yeah. 
you know, getting paid by somebody is sweet, man. It's awesome. Especially if you don't have a lot of clients or like COVID right now, it's tough just keeping, keeping people on. I understand that, but you, you just, you, I would suggest long-term you don't trade those things. You don't trade your emotional capital for, for that paycheck. Yeah. It's, it's tough. That's a, that's a really, that's the interesting piece. Cause it's like, I, if, if I said, you know, I can't do my job. Right. And he was like, yeah, totally fine. I just want to keep paying you. Like, I just want you to keep giving me stuff. Like I don't even care if my back pain doesn't go completely away. I just like having you around to like show you my videos every now and then, or like have you as I give you, give you some, I like having you around to give me some tips every now and then. And I'm, I like the exercises that you give me. And it's, so it's like, so now I have this like space that I've been, that has been carved out for me. And I'm just not comfortable with that. Um, I'm not comfortable with somebody paying me for that. Cause I don't feel like it's a skilled service. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's basically, you're paying me now to be your friend. Um, which I think they call those life coaches or <laughs> it's not, it's not what I want to take somebody's money for. Um, so, so yeah, I just thought that that would be an interesting one to share because it was kind of a change of pace. And, um, as I was looking at my current like list of peeps, they're all in, in kind of status quo or they're so new that I would, I wouldn't have any, anything cool to talk about maybe for the next one or the next one after that. And we, you know, dig into those, but do we want to fill a philosophical conversation? Sorry. We want to take a crack at Jennifer's question here. What'd she just ask? I see the word CrossFit. Taylor, I can't read. What'd she ask? (laughs) (laughs) She said, do you guys have peers or those who you coach who are highly competitive, who is desperate to gain a skill overnight and doesn't seem to appreciate the journey or process that it takes to become more competent in that skill. Um, she's ha- she has a fellow peer and someone who she coaches at CrossFit of this description, and she finds that it's difficult to train at times because they're hell-bent on doing it tomorrow. And do we have any tips on it? Yeah, I mean, gosh. And what sucks about the question is, like, do you know a coach? And, like, when coaches are like that, too, it's like, ah, oh, gosh, that's frustrating because you sh- like, do as I say, not as I do. Like, you should at least – understand that the training is a process so that you can educate your, your athletes like that way. Um, I mean, my answer is, yeah, I have, I have athletes like that a lot. I would say that I, I try to like poke fun at CrossFitters as they're like that a lot, just cause they like to work really hard and like go hard. And that's true, but I can't say that it's not true for weightlifters and powerlifters and field sport athletes and runners and rock climbers, you know, it's just certain personalities lend themselves to that type of thought process. Um, that's that's but, my knee jerk reaction, which I have to work to, to rein in like for a while, especially as of late, I felt like as a, as there are skills that I recognize that I want to work on or skills that I need to acquire, my visceral reaction is oh, I needed that yesterday. And then it's frustrating that it's not done yesterday. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's just how I feel. So back off Quinn. No. Oh, but, I hear uh, you. I'm like, I'm like that too, man. <laughs> Yeah, no. but but yeah, I definitely know other people too who are like that, and it can be frustrating. I mean, I don't know if it's uh, as far as tips. Um, I'd weigh out depending on the situation. If it's a client, I think you have to have that conversation. If it's a peer, 
maybe you have to have it, but maybe it's less pressing. I don't know. I would think that if I reread this question too, but if, if it's, if it's someone who was a coach and had that sort of mentality and other people were paying a price for that, then maybe that's the more important conversation to have. Um, if it's someone who just takes it upon themselves and is frustrated that they don't have those, those skill sets immediately, you know, maybe because you're a good friend, um, you know, I just don't want to see them crash and burn quite so often. Maybe you see if they're open to having it, but if they're not, then just kind of leave that alone if you, if you can or if that's all you can do. Hey guys, Quinn Hennick here. Consider this a little brain break from our Coach's Corner Talk. Don't forget that if you want more of these conversations as well as endless resources pertaining to athlete health and performance, consider becoming a member of the Clinical Athlete Forum. Applications can be found at clinicalathlete.com. And now, back to the show. Can we unmute General quick so she can explain to me what a yeah. keen bleed is? Oh, yeah, we can do that now. Does she want to be unmuted? Yeah. yeah. Jen, put in the comments if you want to be unmuted. I'm going to answer real quick, and then you get to explain to me what a keen bean is. Um, <laughs> so, look, yes, I think everybody has dealt with uh, at least a handful of athletes that want their results yesterday. Um, and the one trend that I find with these particular athletes is it's not only just a singular goal, but it's multiple goals. They're the type of individuals that view themselves as high performers. And they think these are the kinds of people that, that also believe like high level multitasking is possible, which every bit of literature will tell you otherwise. But what they'll do is they'll try to do all of the things at once at a high level, not just that one thing at a high level. So you take a CrossFitter or uh, I currently am dealing with a weight uh, weightlifter, powerlifter, so a super total athlete um, who wants to do a lot right now. Um, cut weight, get into a weight class, qualify for a particular nationals, also go to this nationals, hit this total at this weight class, at this time frame, and it, it, it becomes very difficult. What I try to do, is I try to get them to focus on one thing at a time. And it is an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. And I do that with a little bit of education and some structure. So the, one of the first things is just really, we're, we're talking about behavior. So it's a behavior change type process. You have to go about asking them questions and drilling down into why they want those particular things, getting them to prioritize them, and then attacking them one at a time. And then, you can ask your your client when you come on. Uh, I want you to to answer this first. Have you ever asked her what her five year goal is, and watch them look like a deer in the headlights? I've never thought about five years from now. Maybe you need to start thinking about five years from now, not five days, five years. Where you? What's your trajectory? If you want to go to the open and place into the top three, and you've not gotten to regionals yet and you want to do that in three months from now, what's your actual trajectory if if you're doing that pace for five years? Are you Thor all of a sudden in five years? Like, you, you got to start framing stuff for people. So can we unmute Jen so I can figure out what a keen bean is? <laughs> is she there? Hear me. Hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going, dudes? It's great. What's a keen bean? Um, I would say a keen bean is just someone who – is just, I don't know, especially when it comes to CrossFit, they're desperate to do it all. 
to just, yeah, I, I've got to have double unders tomorrow and I've got to be able to match over 100 kilos and, you know, I want it all now, basically. Uh, but us Brits like to, uh, us Londoners like to uh, rhyme things, so keen bean. I'm into it. Well, I'm going to start using it now. Um, <laughs> What what have you done so far to to try and and dive into this whole thing with her? Um, it's it can be quite difficult because she's so. I've recently become a CrossFit coach, and originally I was a member at this particular gym. So she's kind of my friend, but then I'm also coaching her as well. And there's been particular points where she's been, you know, she wants to attack everything all at once, and so I that she can get injuries um, and it's difficult because I hang out with her outside of CrossFit so at times when, when we're chatting you know all it is is CrossFit chat and it can become you know like too much too much I don't want to talk about it all the time um, but yeah I, I find it difficult to address because she's also at the same time she's very very hard on herself um she she just wants to do really really well but it comes out in such a way that she's so so overly competitive she's kind of coming away i feel from the reason why she started crossfit in the first place which was to just try out something different and get a bit fit um so it's almost like it's she's too much in her own head basically all the time and rather than sort of I don't know just just appreciating the process and the journey of something it's like you know I need to get a pull up tomorrow because my life depends on it and um so like I think like Quinn said um earlier where he just sort of like put it out there to um that particular client you know how just, just, I don't know, almost like, you don't want to see them crash and burn, um, but you kind of, yeah, I suppose sometimes you do have to leave it up to them because ultimately someone's going to do what they want to do and they're going to behave the way they want to behave. Yeah, I just, I suppose from my uh, standpoint, it was just wondering how you could potentially approach that question, a question to them where it's like, exactly like you said, John, you know, actually, okay, so bearing in mind you want to achieve these skills, you know, where do you want to be in five years' time then? You know? Yeah, I think you can do it just like that. You can you can start having her answer her own questions. So especially mm. since she's a coach, like frame it, frame it to her working with one of her athletes, and you can just ask her, what would you tell one of your athletes who wants who wants their goals now, you know, and what would you tell yeah. them? You might have to start telling yourself that a little bit. I mean, you think you're being a little too hard on yourself, you know, those types of conversations or have her answer that question. You know, do you think, how realistic would you think if a client wanted, you know, five pull-ups next week when they can't do any right now? Mm, yeah. Have her, like literally make her answer it. Pause, make her answer the question that's obvious. And then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But you guys, you see it quite a lot, well, especially in CrossFit anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and you're um, not going to change. Like some people are just wired like the way that they're wired. So don't yes. try to change her personality, but keep trying to get her to remind herself of reality that would that she would probably tell to her athletes that she's applying different rules to herself, which we all do. Yeah, because the thing is, um, I suppose we're sort of, well, in CrossFit terms, you're classed, classed as an old girl now because we're, we're in our early 30s and you've got to kind of hit it when you're in your early 20s now, haven't you? So, to you know, I suppose to be quite uh, competitive from that standpoint. So from my point of view, I think that's fantastic that she wants to achieve those things, but at the same time, I feel like, you've got to be realistic as well. And it's, sorry, go ahead, Quinn. No, it's, oh, it's, so, sorry, it's sorry, hard, I think It's hard to do. It really is, you know, and you, we mentioned earlier about Instagram and the impact that it has. And then you see some people just kind of come out of nowhere as unknowns and all of a sudden they're top three. And, you know, that is, it's been sewed into the, the underdog story has been sewed into sports culture for so long that I think a lot of people, they, they think unrealistic progress is absolutely possible. Um, and then, then you see, and I'm going to go back to this. Somebody posted right after Thor pulled, what was it? 1100 pounds or whatever. The first time he pulled 500 and it was like 12 years ago and it was brutal. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. just, they, they don't look like the same person. And if you take how, – how long do you think that guy – how many days do you think he actually missed in that 12 years? Probably hardly any. Very, very few. And it, it, I wish they did motivational videos that showed a journey and not just the end. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. This particular person I'm speaking about as well, they are definitely very uh, – quite prominent on – well – they're always posting things on social media um, in terms of their achievements, which I think is obviously, you know, brilliant. But at the same time, I think you've always, you've got to think not, (laughs) you're not always going to get a pat on the back all the time. Like, you know, just, just, I don't know. I always think just, just do the work that you've got to do. Focus on yourself Focus on your training, the process of the training. If you get a well done, fantastic, but you're not always going to get that. And I think, unfortunately, that seems to be what social media has brought out, especially Instagram is the, the validation all the time from, you know, posting, oh, look at me with my PR and, you know, what I got, when at the end of the day... I just think, yeah, you, you're not always going to get praise. Just just get on with it and do it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that too. One other thing that I think it's important, I mean, clearly, Jen, you, you, you care about her doing well, you know, as your coach, as, as your friend, um, just, you know, even given, like I know you've been usually hopping on to these, uh, these webinars that we hold and the questions that you ask, they clearly speak to you as a person who thinks, past the surface, you know, want to get to the core of things and make a big impact. Um, whatever the outcome is with her, uh, I don't think you should take that as any sort of indication on your quality as a person or a coach. Cause obviously as coaches, we're trying to, 
encourage positive, um, you know, productive behaviors in the people that we're coaching doesn't always work that way because people can be self-determinate. So I hope it, it does go well and that she does end up, you know, turning over that leaf. But if it doesn't go fantastically or it takes a long time, that's, I don't think that's a reflection on you and not that you would take it that way, but maybe it's important to put on the table again anyway. Cool. Thanks guys. Thank you for hopping on. No, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm well chuffed. Thank you very much. All right. Taylor, you got anything? In terms of what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like cases, questions, that kind of thing? Both? Both? Sure. Okay. Oh, Quinn, you're, you're, you're silent. You're quiet. Oh, whoops. I said, uh, well, maybe anything we've talked about up to this point. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think, I think it's really interesting the way that it comes back to psychology a lot and a lot of these different cases that we talked about. So just kind of like with Jared's case, like, is there anything that's going on like in this person's personal life throughout these, like every three to six months when this kind of comes up throughout these past couple of years or somebody that might be in John's case, like expecting, expecting pain at a certain part of certain movements and things like that, or the psychology of feeling like you have to have the control over your own programming and you're not kind of willing to give that up. It's, it's just interesting how it comes back to that stuff. And I, that's like something that I kind of like noticed in a lot of those was just like coming back to the psychological, like, input of those people and how that can kind of impact each case differently and maybe how we view it differently and how we can talk to them differently about it. Yeah. And that's the, I guess what they would say, the art of, of practice, you know, whatever that means. I don't know what art is really, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's that intuition and that, that experience kind of, combined with what you feel as your interpretation of best practice and best evidence and your it's it's a it's a fun puzzle mm -hmm. one thing that jordan I found, just asked oh, sorry. go ahead sorry just, jordan just asked can you touch on the scope of practice for a non uh pt coach and our ability to talk to clients about injuries and pain because he doesn't want to go outside of his scope and practice but he also wants to help people as much as he can yeah, that's a good one. And I, I actually, I think that might even, that's a big topic and probably one that's good to like start with as we, as we tail off here at the end of the show, because there's a lot there. Um, I would, I would keep it really short right now. And I would say have a clinician who you really trust and who you can bounce ideas off of. And that, so you don't feel like, every time you punt one of your clients who's in a little bit of pain or discomfort, you just like losing them and you lose touch. Like you and the clinician should have a, a very dynamic symbiotic relationship and there should be good lines of communication. That's why we have the directory on clinical athlete was so we could connect clinicians to coaches. But so that would be my one thing is aside from where the discussion is, what you can do and what you can't do as a coach. I'm not sure that we can answer that on this show because um, it depends on a lot of things, but I would say work with a clinician who you really, really, really trust. And then that just becomes easier. Yeah. And 
I know Jordan, Taylor, I know you know Jordan too. He's a very smart guy. Um, and I might be putting words in his mouth here too, but I imagine what might make this a little bit more challenging for him is that there's probably a lot that he wants to say or, or that he, he could educate clients on, but he's not necessarily sure where, where a line might be there. Uh, what's happened in the past um, is that I've had coach friends of mine uh, who, yeah, they've reached out to me and said, hey, I've got this 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 client and this is the situation. Um, would you be okay hopping on a consult? You know, we can uh, put our heads together on it. And I may not say anything new. You know, in fact, I usually try to get the background info from the coach first. So I get their perspective and I get the client's perspective on the, uh, um, on the situation. And I might just repeat in different words what the coach has been trying to get through to client. And sometimes it just takes coming from another person. Um, you know, and occasionally my different perspective puts something on the table that none of the coach nor client had thought of before. But uh, anyway, all that to say, I, I imagine that might be part of the picture for, for Jordan. I could be totally off and Jordan can make fun of me for it afterwards too. I'm good. You guys ready to wrap it up? I think there's somebody's typing something in the chat um, asking about if in general the following holds true. If the pain is affecting their activities of daily living life in some significant way, they're not able to manage symptoms on their own. They should see a clinician. Just reading it again. Shit. I do that all the time. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know if we can... I think what you just listed out there is a pretty is pretty reasonable, and I don't think it would be wrong to. I don't think saying you should probably see somebody for that if you ticked off all those boxes that you listed off would be an unreasonable suggestion. But I don't I don't know if we can say that that it generally holds true or it's a heuristic that we can just uh, kind of like as a checklist. Yep, that's the that's the protocol. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we have that other other than. You can't control your bowel and bladder. Your both your legs went numb. You can't walk. I mean, there's some <laughs> there's something you go unconscious. Left side of your face starts drooping. That I looked at. Yeah, get, go get that checked out. Like now, now. Um, but but uh, but that is still like that's still a conversation that would require a little bit more nuance. Yeah, I mean, you use Jared's guy as an example. Am I? Yeah. Um, you know, he, he gets a back flare up, it impacts his daily life. It's gone in two or three days and he's back to training. You know, it, 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 it ha it's happened enough where Jared had to put his clinician hat on and have a good, good, solid conversation with the guy. Would it absolutely be necessary for a clinician to, to, to get involved the first round of that? Probably not. It's a normal occurrence and something that I think a lot of people have gone through. But I have plenty of, of personal trainers and coaches that as soon as they feel uncomfortable, they call me and say, hey, can you talk to somebody real quick? Sure, not a problem. And it, it, it's just a phone call and it's a conversation. You don't have to, and, and then I can get them linked up through the, the directory to someone local and, and be that bridge. But, you know, it's hard to put a, a, an actual definition on these sorts of things. The typical thing that I say with this is if you feel uncomfortable with that, it shouldn't be a problem to call somebody you really trust to help and then they can carry the ball where it needs to go. Yep. 
Pow. Cool. cool. Um, awesome. And Danae in the chat said something real cool. She used to be that athlete who just wanted it now, but then she just started making goals. And that, that kind of like framed her realistic expectations a lot. So like, I know it sounds silly, but process oriented goals, like, you know, shoot for something, but appreciate the journey. Like John said, um, well, this was fun. It's cool. Hopefully it was helpful for people. Um, we will do more and we'll probably chop these up. Like this particular show will go on the podcast, like the regular podcast feed of their, all the recordings and stuff, but we'll probably chop it up into little bite-sized pieces, like almost three shows maybe as quick hitters for people. But it's cool. It's, it's a lot of fun to be here live because you guys get to interact and we get to answer your questions, you know, instead of just listening to a recording. Plus you guarantee that you actually hear it because like, let's be honest, we put off listening to stuff and watching things when they're recorded and we never get around to it. So, yeah. and it's cool because we get to talk to some of you guys. Thanks yeah, for coming on, up. Jen. That was awesome. Yeah. Get to pick up some new slang. Yeah. Keen bean. Keen, Keen bean. bean. I'm using the hell out of that for the rest of the day. <laughs> I'm be saying brilliant a lot more too. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and Taylor, thanks for uh, being our moderator. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. This was awesome. Day two of the internship. <laughs> Round of applause in the chat for Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> um, when you guys close out of here, you will be directed to a form. It's feedback form, how we can make these better. And then also a clinical athlete form application, shameless plug, where if you're like, oh gosh, I have so many questions about these things. I'd love a community that I could bounce ideas off of like-minded individuals and get mentorship and watch webinars and take courses. Oh wait, we have that. We got your solution. <laughs> Boom. Uh, so literally just close out of Zoom and then it'll be like the next page that opens up is information on that and also a feedback form too. So thanks so much, guys. This was fun. We'll do it again uh, until next time. Yeah, see you guys soon. Okay, Peace. bye. Thank you to the Clinical Athlete Squad, Jared, John, and Taylor for helping me through that case. And thank you, the Clinical Athlete community, all six of you, for joining us on this journey of knowledge and improved practice in both the gym and clinic. And remember, if you want to dive even deeper into the Clinical Athlete community, you can check out all the Clinical Athlete Forum has to offer, which includes our Clinical Athlete Academy courses, amazing discussions and networking with professional clinicians and coaches, as well as students, and just our overall hub of knowledge in regards to athlete health and performance. Thanks, everyone, and talk to you soon.